We are here with um, Josephine Craven, and Josephine Craven, and ha Josephine has created a script, a one-woman show, featuring someone that has kind of gone out of consciousness. I would say her son is well known. And there's the reason for her son being well known is well, Oscar Wilde. Is Oscar the son. Wilde is the son. So everyone has heard of Oscar and right. his wonderful place, and of course his sad fate. He came from somewhere. He did. So his mama was Lady Jane Francesca L. G. Wilde, and she was a brilliant woman in her own right. She was a wonderful scholar. She had mastered seven or eight European languages by the time she was 18. And you have to remember back in these days, women didn't get much in the way of formal education. There was governesses or tutors at home. So she was a person of privilege. She was. Mm -hmm. Slight privilege. You know, she was you know, definitely of the you know, milder upper classes of society. Okay. So she would have had, you know, she didn't have to work. Um, she lived as a mother. Her father died when she was very young. And uh, she, she spent most of her she had a few brothers. She has oh, that's, a, that's fine. We're talking about Lady Jane. Lady Jane. Jane. So anyway, I was just curious. If but you she, just, she just was an incredible polyglot, and she spent much of her life translating works from various European languages into English. That was how she made a lot of her money. So she, made, so she didn't have to work, but she chose to work. Well, she didn't have to at the beginning of her life, but towards the end of her life, her fortunes took a nosedive, and she desperately needed money. You see, her husband, Dr. William Wilde, who um, was a very respected surgeon in Ireland, he actually founded the Eye and Ear Hospital, and he was considered the foremost surgeon um, for eyes and ears in Europe at the time, and a lot of doctors came to study under him. But he also was an amateur archaeologist. He was um, a writer. He collected Irish sort of superstitions and cures and stories and published some books of his own. So he was so sort sort of a quite sort an amazing family. Sort of a historian, really, of a social historian, if you will. Sort of, yeah. yeah. So when he died, um, uh, Lady Jane found out that they had been living well beyond their means for Oops. many, many years. Okay. So and he liked the fine life, but he definitely couldn't afford it. Yes. Everything on credit, I suppose. Yes. So the, he, he, had, he did have a few affairs outside of his marriage, and he had his eldest illegitimate child, a son, he acknowledged. And um, this guy also studied medicine and became a doctor. Oh, really? And So he, his, his, his eldest illegitimate child, cause, so that would, that would indicate that there's more than one child that is yes, illegitimate? Yes, he had two daughters also illegitimate, and they unfortunately and tragically died in a fire in a house um, after a winter dance. Oh, God. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty Brutal. Awful. Brutal, yes. But this... this this son, um, he ended up purchasing the house in Marion Square that they lived in and oh. couldn't afford, and then allowed Lady Jane and Oscar and his brother Willie to live in the house for a time. Well, I have to say that was pretty generous of him. I it guess was. he didn't feel very bitter about the circumstances of his birth. No, not particularly. But he ended up dying very young himself, and Lady Wilde and her son Willie and Oscar, they couldn't afford the upkeep in the house in Marion Square. So they ended up moving to London. They thought they might have they might have a better chance of applying their trade in terms of writing. Lady Jane, with her, she wrote poetry and published several volumes of poetry. Um, she wrote a couple of books on sort of like social studies, men, women, what was going on. Hmm. 
she observances observances mm-hmm. and again a lot of translations observations i should say a lot sorry. of translations of literature from from other writers so scholarly um, translations yes. and then her son willie was quite a, was quite a fine journalist but he was fonder of the drink than he was of the ah. pen so he the was the curse yes he was a bit of a scourge to her so they they lived in ever dwindling financial circumstances from the time her husband died until her own death now tell me something um josephine how and why did you become interested in Lady Jane? And have you been back to the house in Marion Square? I have not been back to the house in Marion Square because um, COVID hit shortly after I wrote this play and, and, and there was very little traveling back to Ireland. But I am going uh, next week. So it week. still does so exist. Hopefully it does exist, yeah. Okay. But um, no, I got interested because Teresa Chosky, who's this wonderful volunteer at the Irish American Heritage Centre, does these cultural teas every so often, a couple of times a year. And she usually Hugely has, popular. Yes. And she usually has an actor or actress act out some historical character from Ireland's past. And they're always very good. Yes. So Teresa approached me and asked if I would do something, but she was very clever about it. Because originally she said, Josephine, I'm going to um, read a little bit about Lady Jane Wilde at IBAM. Would you ever dress up in costume as Lady Jane? and just read some of her poetry. And you had never been exposed to her before, not, not no. really familiar with her. I knew course. a little of her f- just from the time because she was quite a larger-than-life character. Right. And she, she actually crops up in other people's books. So incidentally. Books. Yes. Incidentally. So I'm aware I'm, of her, but I had okay. not made a study of her. Okay. So I'm thinking, oh, I just get to wear a fun dress and a wig and a crown and <laughs> I get to read poetry. Well, if you get to wear a crown. Sign me up. Yeah. There's only one painting of Lady Jane that, you know, that exists and she's wearing that's what looks like a tiara of, of pearls and stuff. And so uh, Teresa's like, oh, you have to wear the dress, a big dress. She was very fond of Victorian ball gowns, okay? Even though they were well out of style by the time she was older in life, she still favored those really? gowns. Really? That's her everyday wear? She was big into big hoop dresses, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And Maybe she, she thought wear... that made her look thinner. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But uh, so I said, sure, Teresa, I'll do this. And Teresa thought this was great. And then after I did the little reading at IBAM, She's like, you know what, Josephine? I have some guy coming to play Oscar at one of my teas, you know, in the spring. You know, would you ever do a little Lady Jane, you know, with Oscar? That'd be great. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound like it's too much of a stretch. It won't be, it won't take up too much time. Sure, I'll do that. And so Teresa told everyone, oh, Josephine is going to do Lady Jane Wilde at one of my teas. And as time passed, I get a call and it's, oh, my actor who's going to play Oscar has dropped out. (laughs) Could you do the whole thing as Lady Jane? Genius! Yes, <laughs> Teresa Chosky, the unknown, the unknown master of deviousness at the Harry Center. So that's how Teresa got me to to write a play on Lady Jane Wilde, and I'm delighted you did because it's been very rewarding. Well, did you know that you had such a passion for research of this kind, historical research on people? No, no, no. It's it's. It, it, it was incredible. I mean, it, it's it's like an opening Pandora's box because I have been to your one-woman show and you actually have letters that you found that she oh, has yes. written. And what what did you what did you find? What was the process like of researching? Well, I started by just ordering whatever books I could find on Amazon to do with Lady Jane, with her son, with her husband, you know, anything to do with the Times. And I found a lot of the books that were written close to the time that she died were very, very unflattering of Lady Jane herself. And a lot of the stuff was very, very untrue. Mm -hmm. But there is a scholar 
on the east coast of this great country whose name is going to escape me right now, but she's sort of made it her, her life's work studying Lady Jane, and this woman has traveled all over the world to wherever libraries have copies of letters, either written by Lady Jane, um, and uh, she's translated them because Lady Jane's writing was terrible, like hand-scratching across the paper. But she's translated them. Lady Jane also used to not put in dates very often in her letters, uh, and she would refer to people by initials, and she uh, had a kind of a shorthand so of her annoying. own. So this woman and did an incredible study and wrote an incredible biography of Lady Jane Wilde. So she was a great resource for And you. she wrote, um, it, she had several volumes of, of Lady Jane's letters. The problem are, these are all university press books. So, you know, you just... When you order a book, they printed and they're That's quite it. expensive. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yes, yes. Like several hundred dollars yes. for a biography and like yes. one hundred and seventy-five dollars yes. for a volume of letters. And I thought, oh my god! So my first time round, I thought I can't afford this. You know, I'm just doing this as a once-off, so I'll just go with the sort of general knowledge, the general knowledge, the more popular books that are out there. So I kind of strung this thing together. And I performed it, and of course I got a better costume and a better wig, and uh, got into the whole props and side side of it. Because you had, a, did it. you had a good picture of what she was like as a person, yes, right? Yes. So anyway, we do it again, and it went over very well at the tea. But then I got a call from um, Milwaukee Fest, uh, the Irish Fest Milwaukee, and they said, "Hey, Josephine, we hear you have a new play. Um, could you send your script up to us? We're interested in having you." You send your Irish script, <laughs> and I'm thinking my script. My script is more like a rambling essay to myself. It's a one-woman play, so I'm like, oh god, if I'm going to send this to somebody, I'm going to have to do some more work on this, and I'd like to sort of you know use more of Lady Jane's own words. So I said, okay, I will. I'll bite the bullet and get some of these books. So did you ever call the researcher, the lady? The I didn't contact the researcher, but I did directly? contact the university press, and uh, because I was a single person and not a commercial entity, and because I was happy with paperback versions of these books rather than hardback, I was able to get them for about half price. Oh, nice! So I ended up getting the biography and two volumes of letters, and I just rewrote the whole thing based on um, using a lot of Lady Jane's own words from her letters. And those were transcribed by the historian. By this, by this so thanks girl. God for that because she couldn't. And I suppose she placed them in time based on the events that she was talking about. Yeah, she did. She actually she it was, was the letters are all annotated, so she kind of explains who she's talking about and why and how she knows the, what what year this letter was written in because of wow events that were alluded to in the letter. It was a wonderful resource. So I says it rewrote the play, sent it to Milwaukee, and they loved it. So they had me do three performances at um, Irish Fest Milwaukee in 2019, <laughs> a couple of months before the whole COVID disaster hit. Before, before everything shut down. So, but, but since then? Since then, uh, I haven't done anything with it because we've been in COVID lockdown mode. But, but you have a full script. I have a script, but and I'm actually, I did this earlier this year, order the last two volumes of letters that this scholar has, has transcribed. And I have yet to incorporate these. Expand even expand. further. I'm, yeah, I think I'm going to do one last, one last edit on the, on, the, on the play. And then I'm hoping to publish it. Because every time you perform it, don't you do it a little bit differently? Because yes. you've, you've acquired more you research do. or more fact, unknown little trivia things that you weren't aware of. Uh, maybe a reference that Oscar Wilde made to his mother, whatever you know. But every time you've told me before, every time you do it, it's a bit, it's a bit different. It's slightly different, yeah. It's tough. It's tough doing a one woman play because you know, it's a lot of energy. But also, if something is going wrong, like for example, your wig begins to slip back. <laughs> 
on top of your head, sliding away from your forehead. Mm -hmm. You can't just turn away and readjust it because there's no other actor giving lines to cover that. So I find even things like pouring myself a glass of water when I get dried and drinking it, almost impossible to do because I feel I'm the only one on show here. So I somehow have to build in pouring water and drinking it as part of the actual action of the play (laughs) to help myself out. But... um, Well, you don't think about the mechanics of it. You're just entertained, your audience. (laughs) Do you know? I mean, really, there's a lot involved. There is. There's quite a bit involved. But it's fun. And you are an IT professional. You were trained as an IT. You you worked as an IT professional for many, many years. You recently retired. You've done a lot of creative things with your time. So, and it's usually involves acting, directing... Something, something thespian related. A lot of spoken word. A lot of spoken word. Well, I can either sing, you see, or play an instrument. So, but a lot of people choose then just to sit and listen (laughs) in the audience. But you, you decide that you feel the need to express yourself creatively by performing. Yes, absolutely. Most of us have to work just to pay the bills, but it's the stuff that feeds your soul that makes life worth living. And for me, that's always been been on a stage in front of an audience. I love it. It's just something about what you gain as a performer from the audience, you know, and what you give to them. Uh, it, just, it just makes magic happen in the moment. And I feel that that's giving something back as opposed to the 27 years, four months and one day I spent working in IT. <laughs> you didn't count that down at all, did you? Not at all. No. <laughs> and you've been doing this, let's see, I first met you in the 90s, I think. The early 90s, yes. Yes. I think I moved here in 93 and got involved with Gillick Park Players. And I think that's afterwards. where I met you with Puggy Dunleavy and you, yes. you was working on the... Um, and Barney Farley, Barney, of course. Of course. I just did the reading with this afternoon. Uh, Barney and I, we met and we both shared this ridiculous sort of childlike delight at being on stage and just loving acting. I mean, Barney did his first play at the age of 50. Amazing. And he just fell in love with it. And, you know, and he's so good at it. He's such a wonderfully talented, like natural actor. Right. No training. Yeah. And did you have any training? I did a course for a short time at Manfew Theatre School in London. But other than that, no, no, I just have always loved it. So you just you just find your way there, and it finds you, or it finds you. It just kind of draws you. I've the always loved, even as, even as a child, I love being on stage for any kind of school play or concert. I'd trot out there and recite a poem or anything. And now that you're able to choose your own work that you perform, what is that like? Well, at the moment, it's a lot of individual cultural evenings, shall we say. Like, Frank and I moved almost two years ago to Kenosha, Wisconsin, from the city, and we love it. Shout out to our new home in Kenosha. And we have an Irish bar restaurant there called Ashling on the Lock, and we've started doing some Irish cultural evenings there. So we were asked to do a Robert Burns supper in January of this year, and it was kind of funny, two Irish people um, host, doing a Robert Burns supper, but we got a piper in, and uh, we got a few friends to help us out. And uh, Did you try to speak in a Scottish dialect? But of course, dear. <laughs> but of course, dear. Uh, we tried. So we had a lot of fun, and the chef being put on this wonderful four-course Scottish meal. And uh, so that was the beginning. And then Paul Ward, who manages it, asked about you know some other things we were doing. I had started maybe three years before COVID hit, reading James Joyce's wonderful short story, The Dead, at Chief O'Neill's in Chicago, on January 6th, which is the Feast of the Epiphany, and the date the story is actually set. And I read the narration and I have maybe eight, nine actor friends who 
read all the different voices in the story. So that's a lot of fun. And much to our surprise, you know, I mean, we have a packed house for that at Chief Nails every year, which is wonderful that, uh, to me, that people will come and sit for two hours and listen to a story being read out loud. It always kind of amazes me that people enjoy it. And I love it's reading like, it's it. Like, it's, like a, it's like a session, only it's reading. Only it's reading, yes. Mm. Spoken words. We mm. do that. I've been doing Bloomsday, honoring James Joyce for over 22 years now. So You're a big Joyce fan. I love Joyce. So in June, I did my usual Bloomsday show down at the Rattling of the Joyce at the Irish American Heritage and that's, Center. That's, that changes every year as well. Well, they change the readings because you can't be you can't bore people with the exact same readings every year. And God knows that book provides you plenty of <laughs> plenty of material to change around. So yeah, we've done a lot of different things over the years. Um, I mean, when we started, we, we actually I would take the the book and I would just take dialogue out of it. And I'd have actors memorize the dialogue, and we'd dress them in costumes and have sets and do this whole big production, which <laughs> was a ridiculous amount of work for a, a one-night performance. So after a few years, Frank finally convinced me that everyone else does a reading. Readings are perfectly fine. So we switched to readings, and you know we've been doing readings ever since. But we incorporate a lot of music, because Joyce, all of Joyce's works is sprinkled with so much music references. So we also have a few singers, and we play a bit of music, and... Um, and just first that with the with the readings. And you keep on referring to Frank. Well, that would be my other half. Mm-hmm. My better half, someone mm-hmm. say. Your partner in crime. My partner in crime, yes. It was actually Frank who got us to do Bloomsday in the first place. I'd never even heard of it. I had read Portrait of the Art as a Young Man and the collection of short stories, Dubliners, but I had never even attempted Ulysses at that point. So <laughs> to go from that to, oh, I'm pulling play extracts out of Ulysses now. So yeah, it was a learning experience. But it's a great book. It's it's not it's not an easy book to read, but it's very very rewarding once you do dip into it. Well, you recommended to me before you just dip in and out, dip in and out, and I thought I don't know how to do that. <laughs> You're committed though, and I appreciate and admire that. What do you think? Where do you think now? Now that you have more time, I even hate to say that because I feel like your time fills up. It does. So rapidly. Even when I'm not working, even it's crazy even busy. when you're you're not working, your time is filling up. And as I mentioned before, the theater or uh, performing seems to find you one way or another. Whether it's Ashling on the Lock or the Heritage Center or whatever, you keep on getting people reaching out to you, and you don't say no. <laughs> yes, that's, that's that can be a slight problem. No, I the think it's a beautiful no. thing. I think it's a, a beautiful thing. I don't think it's an inability. I think you want to do it. I absolutely love performing, so yes, any opportunity to perform, it's, if it's feasible at all, I'd try and take it, which is kind of crazy. I am hoping to sort of turn my attentions to working for myself and read audible books mm-hmm. for a living. So I have a little studio set up in our home in Kenosha, and you know, I've sort of registered myself as an LLC, so it's nothing is launched yet, uh, probably a couple of months from, from launching myself, but it will be listentolit.com will be my, my website. And, and what, what kind of literature are you focused on reading? Well, my, Aloud, and you'll like to hear Josephine's gorgeous voice. Well, I'm working right now on James Joyce's short story, The Dead. Oh my. As my first one. And, um, and it'll be theatrical, obviously, because you're, tra- you're an actor. Yes, well, hopefully. We'll yeah. see. Um, I'm, 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 look, I'm looking forward to doing that. Slowly but surely, I'm getting there. Well, I'm excited for you. I'm always excited to see you, Josephine, because there's always something cooking. There's always something you're excited about. Do you know that? Every time I've met you, going back to 1993, every time I've met you, you're excited about something. Well, you bring good, you bring a, No, you bring a lot of energy into a room. You bring a lot of optimism and excitement and let's get it done. 
type of thing. You do. You do. You're a gift. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for all your work on bringing um, Esperanza, um, Lady Jane Wilde, to the attention of people because I never thought about Oscar Wilde's mother. Well, the thing is that people don't know is that this woman was as famous, if not more famous, than her son in her day. In her she day. She just didn't last. She wrote a lot of incendiary poetry for the Irish revolutionaries. She, when, when Oscar first took his Amer first American tour, he was hailed as Esperanza's Esperanza son, not as Oscar Wilde, the aesthete from London, you know, the playwright. Right. He was famous because of his mother. And in fact, when he first went to London, he was embraced by the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood because they held Esperanza in very high esteem because of a novel she translated from German. There was a, a novel, basically, Sidonia the Sorceress, about an aristocratic sort of German lady who was supposed to have been a witch and, you know, wow. drank the blood of virgins and oh, all this kind God of good stuff. Heaven. But Speranza translated this in two volumes. It was a huge piece and one of these huge goth gothic novels. And the Pre-Raphaelites, for some strange reason, decided this was like their Bible. They loved this book. So they thought Lady Jane Wilde was like it. amazing. She, she was, was it. it. So they kind of fostered Oscar when he first got to London. So that's how Oscar got to the inset, you know, the inside set. Right. When he first moved to London. Because they adopted him because of his because mother. Because of his mother. And Lady Jane, I wouldn't say she faded away. I would just say because of her sex, she wasn't considered as important as the men. Well, that, well, you look at history all over the world. Women tend to be forgotten or not written about by historians. I am just saying that hello Bible. I am yes. just... <laughs> this is true. This is very true. We've been speaking with Josephine Craven, author, actress, audible book person that is going to create a wonderful listening experience for you. And we will be chatting with her again, I'm sure, on her next project. Thanks a million, Josephine. Thanks, Yvonne.